Servus. Uh, welcome to episode two of the Mia Sun Road po- podcast today. We are joined by Editor-in-Chief Jan and Christopher Rahm, who does match analysis for the site. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Oh. Hmm. Keep it simple. Uh, t- <laughs> today... You have two Germans here, so yeah, it's always simple. <laughs> Oh crap! You should. You guys should have heard the pre-tape. So today we're going to talk about the Werder Bremen match. Um, maybe a little bit about Renato Sanchez. A lot about Thomas Müller. Everyone's least favorite international break, Hamas Rodriguez, and uh, maybe a bit about PSG at the end. Um, to start off. The Verde match ended up uh, 2-0 for Bayern. Um, starting 11, do we call it a 4-3-3? Mm, Chris, what are you saying? Um, maybe yes, maybe no. Um, it depends on yeah how you want to interpret it. It could be also a 4-2-3-1 right. um, with, with two defensive players. Um, this was maybe the difference. Um if you compare it to the match against uh, Werder, um, yeah, if you compare it against Leverkusen, the match, um, we had Vidal and Tolisso in a um, deep, um, deeper position and Thiago on the, yeah, yeah, zone 14 spot. So this was the difference. Right. So uh, on paper, I guess it was supposed to be a 4-3-3. So it was uh, Kimik, Sule, Humus and Alaba in the back four, Tolisso, Thiago and Vidal. In the midfield, Robin Lewandowski and Ribery up top. Um, uh, but that was Chris, right, that said that, that it played a lot more like a 4-2-3-1, right, with Tolisa and Vidal in, in a holding position. Exactly. Um, I guess the plan for Mancilotti was here that he wanted to avoid the counterattacks. Um, this was one yeah, major point against Leverkusen. Bayern was really weak to defending the counterattacks, and also the, the pressing was, yeah, let's say it's difficult or not on a, a high level or a top level. Sorry made a lot of errors. Vidal and, and Tulisu were against Leverkusen, quite too aggressive, which opened a lot of space for, for Leverkusen, um, which made them so strong in the second half, especially. And to avoid kind of such, or to, to avoid it, the, the plan, I guess, for Magellotti was here, okay, um, let's try to make it a little bit more defensive, um, more focused on structure. Yeah, and that's why it ended up in a little bit kind of that game could could we use that that phrase here so it was like okay prim was focusing on okay we want to stay very defensive and yeah avoiding concede goals they parked the bus and bayern was mainly focused on okay we are just or we should avoid errors in in our game to avoid counterattacks but to be sure, uh, to be to be sure, not uh, maybe, or to be fair, there, um, Chris did the analysis, and I supported him because we always have like two people doing the match analysis. And at first, I did our graphics with the formation, and we got like Thiago make or a little bit closer to the center backs, and we switched like. 15 to 20 minutes into the game when it became clear what was happening so it was not that clear from the beginning and maybe that's some of the confusion for us uh, doing the analysis and for the 
guys on the pitch and so yeah i think maybe 4-3-3 was the plan or 4-2-3-1 but yeah it wasn't clear from the beginning and maybe that's one of the reasons why this game sucked until the break or even after the break until we got uh, Lewandowski uh, scoring two goals so um guys talking about that uh, talking about the midfield um I think that uh, Thiago is very um, underrated as a defensive midfielder, and I it, we discussed it last week, and and Maurice and Toby and I um, came to the conclusion that Tolisso is kind of a Vidal. Uh, they're they're like wrecking balls, right? <clears throat> without without a really clear. Uh, defensive position where Chago is much more clear, I think. Do you think it would be better served to have one of the two of them, Tolisso or Vidal, in the forward position? Jan? Um, I think it you have to look at like what is the formation and the structure and have another look at the players and what they can do. And for sure um, Vidal has uh, like re- really specific style of playing like uh, going full into every every um every battle on the pitch and Tolisso is like more like Vidal than um than Thiago so you got two people having the same role on different positions on the pitch you have this weird like white side thing with Tolisso uh, going on so it I don't know if it would be better for like having one of them play it's more like maybe Chris can answer it what role do we really need uh, in the game against Bremen who or was going with five people on the back and you need to like have the connection between all the parts of your of your formation and not like two people like can who can crash every other player coming um, to your own goal so it's like do we need both of them I don't know I think that against Bremen um, one of those um, would have been enough Chris, what do you think? Well, good question. This is kind of um, to, to open the question a little bit. It's like um, a question which was already um, yeah, answered in the past a couple of times. Um, when Guardiola tried it as well, or also even Heinkes, who had to, or faced the same question, what should we do when the the opposite uh, opposite is just parking the bus from from my perspective it's really difficult to to using two or three kind of um, defensive oriented midfield players like Vidal or even Tuliso um, Tuliso is kind of yeah, in between maybe a 50-50 player or yeah, or so-called box-to-box. Sometimes he's also quite good in the offensive and he, he can play very good vertical balls. But um, in the end, he's more more, more comparable with, with Vidal instead of Thiago. So, so overall, maybe one of them could be enough or should be enough. And then you have maybe Thiago and then just another midfield player or offensive player which can join the squad and he can maybe then play in between or between the lines between the the 
the back line and the midfield line from the from the opposite and um, can create some spaces. So Müller is one of them, and very very good example here um, because he's just doing so many crosses and runs, and often um, some defenses player need to focus on him, and then he's opening some space. You you saw it even in or you saw it at the second goal from Lewandowski as he just crossed with with Ron Root and um, he catched up Sané and Lewandowski had some some space to to score or to to make some extra space or some extra yardage. This is something which is currently missing most of the time and this is some question which needs to be answered by Ancelotti sooner or later. And maybe also the question there is like why didn't Ancelotti like have a change earlier? I think uh, it was five minutes before the final whistle when he uh, uh, brought uh, Rudy on for Vidal. Maybe this change could have happened like after one half or like 60 minutes or so like to have another flow or better flow in the game when it was clear that yeah they will do some counter attacks but we need some more creative players on the pitch like i think that's it's too early in the season to like be a really hard judge on this but that's like a thing we really should watch uh, in the upcoming matches and not only what's the starting 11 but what can and will Ancelotti do um, when we see like how the game develops in like a half or like 60 minutes or so this yeah. is go ahead just Yeah, sorry. Just to, to to make one point here is this. I guess we we both you already mentioned we wrote the analysis together, and this is something we really faced in in our analysis. Or yeah, we we didn't we couldn't catch it up. It was like the question why Angelotti didn't make some changes at the. the um, half time break so he already saw okay our team is struggling a little bit maybe I need to do some adjustments but he didn't react and he also not normally sometimes you have some some coaches they go nearly with the same formation or with the same style into the second half and maybe waiting five or ten minutes to see what what's doing the upper side or the and doing then some adjustments but um, Ancelotti didn't react and it took a long long time to react for example to took off um, Ribéry from the pitch who was um, really struggling with his his form and his fitness level so there are some some definitely some questions here yeah for sure um uh, uh, It seemed like, um, as well as last week against Leverkusen, it was a kind of a tale of two halves, once again, right? Except it went kind of the other way. Um, <clears throat> uh, yes, I would agree with you both that that uh, Ancelotti didn't make the right moves quick enough. But when he did, what went right? Jan? Oof. I think um, one really, really important thing uh, Chris already mentioned. So Ribéry was struggling hard with his uh, fitness and form on the left side with the connection between him and Alaba and what's coming like from, from the build-up. And also um, Robin has gone out earlier. Coman came in. He's just really smart and fast guy. And... Yeah, the problem I have with both of those like substitutions is you're switching not like the style you play, but more like the players you bring on. Like 
I think uh, there's not that much difference between uh, Robben and Coman uh, in their way of playing. Sure, Robben will cut uh, to the left and do crazy shit, but um, <laughs> you bring a really fast player for another really fast player. Um, the bigger change was to bring Müller on because he can do like the routes uh, Chris mentioned. And maybe you can like have um, Robin as well as Avery play better if there was more connection from like maybe bring Rudy earlier because you don't need another destroyer like Vidal when you have Tolisso and Tolisso is like enough for like this team of Werder Bremen so I think it's more like yeah I think some things did go better um, when he uh, did some substitutions but at the end it was like Lewandowski um, having two brilliant moments and we will face like the same discussion I think after the next game um, or like have to judge Angelotti the team and the structure on the pitch again with the same questions and that's something I really don't like uh, as of now. Sure it's early in the season but yeah we are talking uh, about this like end of last season and with all the preseason games and yeah let's see when they are uh, fit and healthy but um, there's still for me no uh, answer to the the structure question or like the formation question or the roles on the pitch um, right now yeah I I would have to agree Um, I think if you read my Twitter I'm very Anti Ancelotti at this point, I I just man management and and tactics and everything has been a, a little bit off. Um, I especially hammered on him in the the first part of last season, and and these initial two forays into this season um, give me the same sort of questions. Chris, uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm totally agree. There are still the same questions. We are facing it all all the time. I guess it, it, the starting point is also, should we play with four defenders in the last line or with just three of them? Um, three, just giving, just more, creating more flexibility. Um, also then in the midfield and then the, the up front. And currently Ancelotti is saying, um, I'm just playing with four backs and that's it. And they are just determining or giving the whole structure already. So there's just some yeah, slightly differences what you can do. It's like the 4-3-3 three, three or the 4-2-3-1, um, but there's no real difference. Um, so you can... There's no real variation, um, so you can't create any surprises. Um, for most of the Bundesliga other teams, um, they are just starting with, um, or most of them currently playing with five defenders um, when they don't have the ball. So, for example, Bremen, Hamburg is doing it right now, Cologne. Hertha BSC is doing it sometimes, um, even Freiburg. So there are a couple of teams um, 
which just create, um, trying to play with five defenders and that's making really, really difficult if you are um, playing with such a wing focus as Bayern Munich with Ribery and Robben. Um, so there are a couple of questions um, which needs to be answered by Ancelotti. How can we create or how can Bayern create an own game of or a play style um, which can create chances in the other way? if you are facing like teams like that with five defenders and that there are some questions which currently um, aren't answered right now um, one thing is also the, the role of Müller um, which is still not very clarified and which opens a lot of questions so there are a couple of things um, going on which makes it so different to, to believe in that team and in that um, way how they can develop and improve themselves. So this is, it's, it's, it's really hard right now. It's, yes, I mentioned, of course, it's kind of, um, we, we shouldn't shut so hard in the early start point of the season. But there are kind of structural questions which we are facing right now since a while, and um, it's kind of annoying here. And maybe just to be clear on, on my point, uh, I think the structural question is the, the important question Angelotti has to answer. And I think that's what all those critics, uh, including us, because I think we are really critical about him not having answers to this question, which is like there for like a year or more than a year. And it's not about Bayern not winning because I think the individual class is high enough to score two goals against Bremen or like beat Leverkusen at this stage or do or beat like a good part of the Bundesliga um, uh, teams. But I think there will be times, and we saw this in the past, that you need to have answers on, uh, for those questions. And I think now is the time to like develop answers or like test some stuff and have people on the pitch develop as players or go into different roles like Kimmy is doing right now but um, the critics is not about that he's going like oh Bayern will lose like and we will relegate stuff like that's bullshit but I think um, there are no answers for those questions for a really really long time and that's something I as a fan and Bayern supporter um didn't like to see in the past and I really hope that there will be answers um, from Ancelotti soon because I think they're really really necessary to succeed um, I think we will talk about Champions League later but there will be opponents on the pitch who can like yeah get us if you don't have answers yeah for sure <clears throat> I think that um, my easiest solution would be for Ancelotti to play three at the back and to be able to overload the mid, uh, overload the midfield and to play a three five two um, uh, yeah yeah he has already the players with Kimmich and Alaba who can yeah of course jumping in in this kind of, of um, in between roles um, similar as it did Guardiola a couple of times with Lam in the past so just Lam jumped in into the midfield um then Bayern was um, or has possession of the ball and then just helping out or overloading the midfield. But it's something that, that Ancelotti has been very public about, that he's always going to have a back four. Um, so as far as man management and, and trying to move a team forward, he seems uh, sort of tactically maybe stuck in a rut. 
Um, and we all saw this last season, and I think both of you are of the same minds as I am, is that something's got to give going forward. Yeah, and I think it's maybe uh, playing three at the back isn't the right answer to what we are facing as problems now. But I think uh, you need to try uh, and establish a formation or a style of playing or identity, however you call it, like now to train it properly and develop the players into those positions. Just because you have like Kimmich and Alaba who can play this, there needs to be a lot of management on the pitch in training, like what are the, the spaces you need to go, what like, what happens when the, the opponent is doing some counter attacks so you have to drain it or and I think that's my biggest um, criticism of Ancelotti if that's not like the solution you want to play and you want to play with four in the back yeah but you have the same problems what is your solution and I think he needs to answer this um, maybe not to the public but we need to see it on the pitch um, what he's up to and I think there's not much going on uh on this would you guys would you guys agree that the defensive positioning has been off wildly his basically Ancelotti's entire tenure oh Chris that's a question for you <laughs> Ooh, it's difficult to answer um, I see some improvements overall um, but it could be also related to the um, players who are now part of the squads, especially for Hummels, who really helped out against Werder Bremen with, with his defensive um, or with his style of playing, especially in the defense. So it's it's hard to answer the question. Yeah, and yeah. Coming to maybe just coming to the, the match against Bremen, I think there's there's a good amount of situations on the pitch where a player is doing some crazy shit up front. And then there's too much space behind him, um, which is like open for the opponent. And I think that's something we saw really often. And maybe that's, yeah, if you have Hummus in the back who can like clear a really, really big amount of space on the pitch. But um, I think there's, uh, for me, the chance that there is too much space for the opponent to like uh, get into um that's definitely the case, but for sure it has improved. Um, if we like think about a year ago. Jan, are you talking about um, the space between the midfield and the defense? It seems like it seems like Carlo is is, even though it's still a very high line, right? With possession, it seems like um, it's a little bit more reticent. Um, than, say, it was under Guardiola. And I think last season especially it caused problems that there was a big gap between the midfield and the back line, um, and it allowed opposing teams uh, several options on the break. Uh, it's gotten a little better, and I think it was it was good against Werder Bremen, but it's Werder Bremen. Um <laughs> yeah, but I think it's not like uh, it's not fair to to like compare Angelotti to Guardiola, who like painted a hundred of lines on the pitch to micromanage every player's move in the most detailed way. Um, what I'm talking about is um, if someone is going up front, like there is some space. Someone is like uh, like Ridalo, so he's doing a tackle like on the uh, outside of the penalty box of the open end. He loses the tackle, then there's too much space, and that's like the problem is 
how can Vidal play out his uh, his strengths uh, up front and who is covering him behind. And I think that's some management that needs to be done in, in the future because, yeah, Bremen had enough uh, uh, chances or had some chances on the on the uh, to score a goal, but um, there will be uh, teams who like can go for a goal with uh, one chance or one shot at uh, at our our uh, goal. So yeah, it's more like when do you, like how does the the depressing work? When do when does another player like go into a tackle? When does he stay back? And who's covering who? And yeah, it's micromanagement stuff I think and it's not fair to like compare Guardiola and his style of playing and management with Ancelotti um, but at the end we need to win games or want to win games and need to win because we are Bayern <laughs> of course of course so um, which Lewandowski goal was your favorite was it the cheeky, cheeky back heel or was it the <laughs> double nutmeg <laughs> I mean, both both were both were brilliant. So the the back heel was from a Coman assist, and then Müller set up. Uh, I call him Bob, uh, Robert Lewandowski, uh, to <laughs> run through pretty much everyone, and then uh, play croquet against Bremen and get a double nutmeg for his brace. I think I like smiled. Uh... Uh, after I saw uh, Müller's route, and I clapped my hands after the second one. <laughs> I also prefer the second one because there was one moment when Lewandowski seems to be tricked out himself with kind of losing the ball. And this is something I, I really like on Lewandowski that he's kind of, yeah, trick or ball control is sometimes not good as, as it could be and then he it, it looks like that he struggles a little bit but he don't struggle for for some reason and I, I really like that it was yeah. kind of a Müller movement in that way or Müller Müller style yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit uncomfortable but the end result was fantastic right Yeah, definitely. I think right before he shot, he tried to juke. I don't know who it was. Do you know the term juke? Were you faint? And then and then shot shot the shot. Uh, I think it's it's uh, for me. It's one of my favorite goals. I may have seen him shoot of all time, and he's shot hundreds and uh, (laughs) maybe for me uh, in contention for goal of the season so far I mean it's very early obviously yeah let's hope that there will be some some more more exciting ones (laughs) (laughs) all right moving on Um, so Renato Sanchez has found his way back into the rumor mill um, the latest was Liverpool, um, but then uh, Jan and Chris informed me today that Swansea might be a thing. Um, what do you guys think? I Go, guess- Chris, do a Swansea analysis. <laughs> <laughs> um, Swansea has some space since they last uh, lost Sigurdsson to Everton. Um, but but Sigurdsson was more an offensive midfield player. Um, in in general, there are a couple of options. Even Liverpool is a kind of um, 
good option with with Klopp, who already developed some young players, even um, already with the um, red red club there. And there's also some space in the midfield. Um, Sanchez showed some class um, in the preseason matches. Um, for some reasons, Ancelotti didn't trust him, so it definitely makes sense that. Um, yeah, he's going on the loan, um, getting some experience. The main thing is, I read last year some some articles about him um, that he's struggling a little bit with his language skills. So um, he can't speak um, very good English and German, and that makes the integration so difficult. So for me, it's hard to think, or um, I guess that's the, the problem which Bayern is currently facing. Um, if we are giving him on a loan, maybe to a French or Italian or Spain club, um, he maybe didn't learn the language enough, which can, or which maybe influences negatively on his, his integration skills. And also, um, getting a better understanding from how the Bundesliga is um, working and playing and all those teams it maybe makes more sense to giving him to a Bundesliga club Um, but um, then that's the point here there are so many interests uh, from from top clubs like Liverpool or um, Milan who were interested or are still interested Um, that's also difficult for the player um, to for, for Sanchez himself to, to find the perfect role or what is the perfect club for him for this kind of journey. Um, so that's that's make it really difficult and he wasn't part of the squad because he's yeah checking some some options. That was the quote from from the sporting director Hasan Salimicic before the Werder Bremen match. Yeah, it's really, really difficult and I didn't have so far an opinion what is better or what could work out at the end um, I'm currently slightly tending to that point that it's maybe better um, if he's staying in the Bundesliga but besides Hoffenheim I don't see any real club um, where he can jump in and improve himself Jan do you do you think or or how do you feel about it do you think he should be at a German club. Um, we talked about it kind of in depth last week about the language issues and the kind of uh, isolation things that were going on with him. Um, yeah, I think if, if Bayern is planning with him in the future, it would be better to have him at a German club somewhere in the Bundesliga because it's, yeah, he can develop um better there when he will come back um i can't add anything or that much to where he should go from a like club perspective because chris knows all those uh, clubs uh, much better than me um but a point i would like to make is bayern really should have a look at how this got wrong or went wrong somewhere down the way because he i think there's huge potential in him and the integration went really really wrong and I think we don't have that good of an experience with uh, giving players on loan to some clubs in the Bundesliga and reintegrating them. So I think it's more like from a club perspective or from a perspective of uh, Bayern Munich, they should have a close look at 
on what went wrong to avoid those mistakes in the future because he won't be the last young guy coming to to Munich um, with a huge potential and we should not waste those players uh, like with a high probability of don't integrating them so it's more like from my side uh, to make another point is what can we learn from from uh, Sanchez um, and what went wrong and improve as a club uh, in the future right right um I understand that, but uh, I'm kind of on on the mind that um, if he stays in in or at a Bundesliga club, it makes it easier for him to reintegrate with Bayern um, rather than him going away to England or Spain. And then it's another language issue and it's another league again and it's another thing that he has to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I, it, so if he goes to Liverpool and he's under Klopp, right? So he's got a German coach in there. Maybe maybe there's a chance he comes back to the Bundesliga. Um, but I think probably anywhere else, now he's done, he's gone. It could be, but it's currently it's hard to estimate how how it's going on with the whole transfer market um, from an international perspective. We saw so many um, transfers in this current window, um, which I didn't estimate it. And um, maybe if you would ask me in May, um, so it's it's really difficult. It could be that next year it's the totally flip around um, that we don't see any bigger movements from from players. Also, like. Um, also even younger players like him um, so it's really really hard to estimate here um, there's definitely a chance for him also in the Bayern squad Vidal isn't get younger um, it's also depending on um, maybe the time after Ancelotti so if you estimate okay maybe this is the last year from Ancelotti then another coach could jump in and um, maybe um, yeah can I interrupt him- and can I interrupt and say Nagelsmann <laughs> <laughs> could be it could be also Tuchel it could be Klopp there are a couple of names I guess um, also already in the rumor mill so it's really really difficult and so there's also then the possibility okay maybe we just um, send him on a journey for one year um, and after that he comes back maybe and with another new coach um, he's taking a look and then there's the decision okay we, we want to keep him or we're um, selling him and it was an um, experiment and it didn't work for some reason and as Jan already mentioned we need to figure out as club or the club needs to figure out okay why it went wrong and doing some internal analysis to avoid kind of um, situations done in the upcoming future okay um <clears throat> Moving along, um, uh, Thomas Müller has had a sort of rough spell under Carlo Ancelotti, and uh, post Werder Bremen, uh, he gave an interview and said, my talents are not in high demand. Um, and this is kind of a problem. Is, is the call-up to the national team a little boost for him uh, going into the season? 
Yeah, I definitely think that it's a boost for him. Uh, I think it's uh, he really likes the national team, so it will be good for him. Um, I think the, the problem there is where to play Müller if everyone is fit and healthy. And uh, the other part is, like I think uh, Justin mentioned it in the PC world for our German side, that he had uh, Müller had struggled with his fitness and form in the last season. He improved. There's a lot of competition for his spots and Müller has a really, really unique skill set. You can't play or fit Müller into every system on a fixed position to do X or Y. He does crazy shit on the pitch, so he, you need to give him some space or like some some yeah some flexibility <laughs> to do it. Yeah, so I think that's is there a spot? Um, how can he play in the spot, and how can he face the competition? And I think. Um, it is good for him like to have this break and then he have to come back and compete Chris? Yeah, I guess I just can underline those things which Jan mentioned here maybe one two additional points I would highlight is that he has almost one of those players who looked in good shape or in better shape in compared to the other um, players in the squad in the whole preseason. Um, that's why I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't part of the first 11 against Werder Bremen and I guess even Müller fought in that way. So this is one point I guess this is something which Müller wanted to highlight here. The negatively point is a little bit that I don't understand why after one game um, he's going to the press and doing kind of those quotation or phrases um, because he is already old enough with 27 that he should know um, what will happen afterwards and um, which kind of things in the press and in the whole media and social media and everybody in the Bayern world um, or what's going on then. So this is something um, kind of disappointed here. Um, why he didn't wait maybe for two, three, four another games, maybe till end of uh, September or maybe mid-October to do kind of quotation or why he didn't do it internally, especially if a new sport director like Hasan Salemicic jumped in, especially with this kind of role that he should be the moderator um, between the team and the coach and the, the board members. And this is something I didn't really understand so this is something I wanted to highlight here yeah sure um, and speaking of Brazo uh, this is this is something definitely that should have been handled in-house however he does have a legit a legitimate gripe I think and and this is going back to last season Jan yeah, definitely. I think it's the way he handled this. It's I don't I really don't like it because um, there should have been some discussion uh, in the team or with his coach or with the sporting director. And I think it's too early in the season uh, to show that amount of frustration um, right now. Sure, he has a like 
it's Müller, so he can speak uh, whenever he wants, and I think his voice really matters. But I would have preferred him to like stay quiet, uh, like uh, do or be really, really good in draining and uh, when he's on the pitch, and be quiet for now and like yeah, Make it happen. open open this discussion way uh, later. Maybe it's just like um, that's maybe the the other part of um, of how you kind of interpreted it. It's like that he's already part or Angelo is already part maybe since 15 months of the team and maybe it's not like okay um, statement for the preseason or that single match against Werder Bremen maybe it was like just his general feeling and yeah then it's like an, the, his his understanding it's a little bit difficult than um, we see it maybe right now but overall um, yeah it should be uh, should be handled in house and yeah it's it's something which shouldn't happen uh, or sh should not happen uh, so many times because it's um, gener uh, generating so many frustrations on, on on too many sides then yeah maybe to like have two more points on this uh, the one thing maybe he thinks that he needs to speak out now because he knows Angelotti and if he has made up his mind like there won't be a position and Angelotti is not known for like doing a lot of changes on the pitch preferring some system and maybe some players maybe uh, Müller now feels that he has to speak out early and that's the one point I would like to make um, really don't know what's happening there so just wild guessing on, on my side um, but another question I would like to ask uh, Chris um, because Justin just made it in his uh, article on Sunday um, do you think that Lewandowski is playing better when Müller is on the pitch and Thiago is more like um, in the back and structuring the game from behind? Or do you think that Thiago can play those yeah, body role for Lewandowski as good as Müller does? No, he, he can't do it because he don't have the physical strength to do that. Um, Thiago is really good um, when he has the ball, when he can do something, when he can act. And the strange of Thomas Müller is more like, and he doesn't have the ball. It, it sounds a little bit weird, but um, he he really understands the game and needs to yeah know yeah how to move, how to create space and he's maybe good when when he has maybe just one touch or two touch so really quick possession um, then Müller is quite good um, but he isn't good in um, yeah structuring games and um, holding the ball, dribbling, creating something um, by himself. And that's the huge difference. Thiago can do that. Müller can't do that. And, but those kind of skills aren't really needed if you're facing four or five defenders in um, against the, yeah, like Werder Bremen on the weekend and uh, there's more some some player needed with physical strength who can jump in who can create some extra space for Lewandowski um, he was 
nearly alone over maybe 60, 70 minutes in the whole game against more or less four or five defenders, um, which makes it really, really difficult for a um, striker. And then sometimes assist is needed. The the only risk if you're playing with Müller is um, that he's playing too offensive, that he's interpreting his role um, more or less as a second striker who's jumping in. And then you're losing a little bit of connection between the um, Lewandowski and Müller and the whole midfield team. And there's too much space in between them. Um, so this is something which you need to fix them as well. Um, but I see more chances currently with Lewandowski and Müller. And behind that, maybe Thiago or some other players, maybe Tuliso could, um, could work as well. Um, but this is something... We need to see, and Ancelotti maybe needs to try it out. Yeah, completely agree. What uh, what happens when uh, I call him Himmy, James Rodriguez comes back? <laughs> <laughs> what happens when James comes back? I mean, it's another it's another wrinkle in 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 Müller's uh, suitability per Ancelotti to Bayern, correct? Yeah, could could be. It's true. I mean, we didn't saw so many things from James so far because he comes to the or he joined um, when the club was doing his Asia trip, and I guess when when he had his ha- hamstring injury um, after or while the Audi Cup, and I didn't remember it really. Um, but yeah, he he had two or three maybe preseason matches, um, and you didn't see so far the the whole plan um, behind that um, so I'm really looking forward okay what is Ancelotti's plan here um, because as you read it here in the German newspaper it was always in that way that um, the, the quotation was it's the um, favorite transfer from Ancelotti or the, the, the MVP transfer and he was really looking forward to get him um, so I'm really looking forward to see, okay, what is the, the plan behind that? We're going to talk about Hymas a little more in a bit. Um, a couple of questions from Twitter and two of my favorite people. Um, ben asks, <laughs> does Carlo make it past March? <laughs> And this is gonna this is gonna carry on into Champions League conversation, but but can either of you seeing it see it falling completely apart to where that might be a thing? I think that the individual cla- individual class of the players and like even if you have a system that is more static, I can't see. Uh, the club falling apart in the Champions League uh, or I think the probability is not that high um, but I think and I think the club will have a solution for the time after Ancelotti um, within this season and there will be some rumors um, maybe yeah I think there will be some rumors pretty early and there will be a solution um, within the season but I can't see like Ancelotti leaving in the middle of the night and running away or being like <laughs> away. forced out <laughs> yeah Chris <laughs> well um, I guess 
if he leaves while the season is going on, then something really, really weird happened. Um, there are some chances that something might happen um, because there are some, okay, there's Leipzig, for example, in the um, DFB Pokal in the um, National Cup. Um, then there are a couple of away games directly after the Champions League this season. Um, or so if Bayern is um, or has his Champions League um, match days, the next Bundesliga game is um, from, from out of six games, it's five times away. Um, Bayern struggled in the past a little or a couple of times with that scenario, especially um, they are playing Champions League and then at the weekend they are playing against Dortmund. So there are some chances that something weird could happen maybe in the in the fall. Um, but after that, um, yeah, I don't see so much chances that he struggles totally. I guess the most important thing for um, the board members is that um, he can or that Bayern will be part of the Champions League next season. And with that individual quality, the the players have right now um, I guess this is something which should work out um, and everything else is then yeah kind of a gambling game sometimes so I'm really out of the sport betting business but I think if Angelotti is part of the Christmas party he will stay until the end of the season <laughs> Generally a good call, um, but but uh, would the board be satisfied with just the league or maybe just the Pokal? Although with the second round draw against Leipzig, uh, not even that is really uh, kind of, I mean, kind of assured, right? I mean, it could could happen that um, Bayern is dropping off really early here. Um, facing clubs like Leipzig, Dortmund, um, even Schalke. Sometimes in the um, Pokal it could happen that you are just losing the game. And um, as, as there is no seeding system or something behind that, um, it could be that Bayern is um, out. Um, I guess it, it's not the biggest trouble. Um, Pokal is not very, um, or was never really in focus. In the league, um, yeah, I mean, they are, I guess they are satisfied with Bayern um, will succeed again, of course. And Champions League, I guess it's really, really difficult this season. There are so many clubs who are, which are trying to improve. Um, I, I, if he, <laughs> there are some better chances, I guess, um, Two years ago and even last year, um, Bayern was quite close. This year, I guess, um, there are also some other names um, which will jump in. Okay. Um, the second question comes from Philip. If you're Thomas Müller, do you start to look away to a new club? I think as a player, you always like want to know what your market value is. But I can't see Müller leaving, uh, and I hope he will not leave. Um, I think it's more like, what can you bring into the discussion with the club, your coach, whoever, and you know what you are worth to the club. Besides, as a player, he's like an icon. It's Müller, and Müller is Bayern, and Bayern is Müller. So... Um, 
maybe like flirt with them, but go uh, don't go too far. Chris, totally agree here. Um, I can't nothing add so much. Um, it's like um, he will stay. It could be maybe in three, four, or maybe let's say five years um, that he's doing the the Schweinsteiger, and this maybe. Um, his his journey or his travel goes to maybe to England and then maybe once no, to, to the, the US to the US to yeah, Miami but... when they have a club because then <laughs> I would be right there <laughs> <laughs> this is something which could happen but I didn't see it coming maybe in the next uh, three or four years agreed I tend to agree I, I, I think um, that there's this this Müller Ancelotti struggle, but I think that Müller ends up on the top, right? He's going to outlast Carlo. Yeah, yep, I definitely. definitely agree. Cool, cool. So um, now it's time for my least favorite international break. Um, <laughs> God, I hate this. And and I do write about the national team as well. Um, but two match days into the season just always seems really, really ridiculous to me. And I hate it because just when you're trying to get your, your club team together, uh, then it all goes awry because everybody's off to wherever they're off to. So... <clears throat> Uh, Mats Hummels, uh, Müller, Sule, Rudy, and Kimmich uh, were called up for DFB. They're away to the Czech Republic and home to Norway. Tolisso and Coman for France face Aryan, Robin, and uh, then France gets Luxembourg, excuse me, and Holland get Bulgaria. Alaba, uh, of course, for Austria away to Wales and home to Georgia. Thiago faces a crunch match against Italy first and then play Liechtenstein. Have either of you ever been to Liechtenstein? <laughs> nope. Just to parking some money there. <laughs> be, be quiet, Chris. Um, we have a company uh, running behind the uh, block, so... Nobody knows where our money is. I actually, I've been to Vaduz. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So my last name is Shav. There, there is family that lives in Vaduz. Yeah, maybe we can talk before we do our next uh, tech stuff. So uh, let's keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and then looking into South America and... and uh, Vidal is uh, Paraguay at home and then Bolivia away. Uh, Sanchez got called up for uh, the U21 Portugal uh, Wales Euro qualifier. But the, the big, I think, the biggest situation is Jaimes Rodriguez gets called up for Colombia and Bayern let it happen. Now he's guaranteed to sit out Venezuela, but might feature against Brazil. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think about this issue? Is this Is this due to his worldwide popularity? Is Bayern in the past has been pretty cut and dry as far as how they feel about uh, players getting out, and they argue for keeping guys that aren't. 100% fit 
out of and national Chris, teams. So, so what's happening here? And Chris, maybe I think you know this better than me, but I read the tweet today that there's like an obligation for Bayern to release him. JFD, the his national team's doctor to look at him. Or is there something? Um, is there an obligation? Do you know something about this? Um, no, it's it's um, as Susie here mentioned. It's really hard to understand um, why it happened in that way, um, because normally um, Bayern is really focusing on themselves, and um, if maybe a player is not one hundred percent fit, um, then they try to, yeah, avoid or uh, avoid kind of nomination for the national team. Um, on the other hand, here I see some circumstances that maybe James needs some playtime, um, that he gets some minutes on the pitch. Um, maybe already against Venezuela, who are currently the last in the group and don't uh, or didn't have any any chances um, to to join the World Cup 2018. Um, overall, for for Colombia, it's quite of important um, that they win maybe one or that they definitely win against Venezuela in Venezuela and that they maybe didn't lose against Brazil at home um, because currently they have just two or they had two points ahead um, from P5 which is currently held by Argentina and P5 would be um, the they, you are relegated and they are just or they are currently four points ahead of Ecuador um, yeah who are currently out of the World Cup qualification. Um, so it's kind of, or it's, it's too close to call here. And there are four games, I guess, left. Um, so it's really, really important for Colombia um, that he's maybe, or that he's, yeah, jumping in and then assisting the team. And I see some benefits if he, he gets some playtime, um, especially as, as Susie already um, explained, a lot of people or a lot of players are not in Munich. And there's currently, I guess, just Ribéry and Rafinha. And even from the, from the second team, uh, from the so-called amateurs, um, there are a couple of players um, also having their national break um, uh, while assisting the um, under 21 team or under 19 and their their national team so it's um, yeah he don't get really any any game practice so I see some benefits besides that of course um, the, the whole long journey to Colombia I mean guys guys it's kickers Offenbach on Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. are looking forward and, to this game. Really. That, 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 Actually, that is already it, the answer. <laughs> to be fair, uh, one of my best friends here in Florida um, is from Offenbach and is a huge, huge Kickers fan. So, little shout out for him. But um, to me, it still seems it seems strange that Bayern would release Jaimes to even do that. Um, I understand the the importance, of course, to the Colombian national squad, but um, it, it, is there another instance you can think of that that Bayern has let um, maybe not quite fit player join a national side? 
uh, barring TFB, of course. Robin, maybe, but I'm really out when it comes to the national team. So, Chris is your guy. I guess it happens one or two times with Robin that they faced a bigger discussion if Robin should join or not join. Um, I guess also the players involved yeah, but here. I'm, but I'm thinking about Robin, and Robin mm. was back on the pitch before, even for garbage minutes. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I may be wrong. I'm probably wrong. No, I'm definitely wrong. <laughs> but but, but I, I'm, I guess you're definitely right. That is currently a situation which Bayern didn't face so often. Could be that um, maybe Alaba was also sometimes a kind of discussion like that. Um, yeah, definitely a special situation. Um It could be that his popularity is playing a role. Um, you never know that. Um, but overall, um, it, it's really hard to, to judge here because we are currently not part of every training session. So um, we can't really evaluate, okay, how far away is he from the um, team training or from coming back to the pitch? So was it um, just, was, was it very close or was it like, um, yeah, that he can do some um, individual training, um, like just running around the corner, um, but nothing else. So it's, it's really hard to, to judge here. All right. One last topic and we get to let you all go. Um, Champions League draw. Hi. B is for Bayern. Group B. Uh, Anderlecht, Celtic, PSG. Um, PSG. Uh, okay, first you have to say Bayern is going to go through. But do they go through in first or second now? Uh, Neymar, of course, with the ridiculous transfer. And now Mbappe uh, with the same almost ridiculous transfer still have uh Danny Alba soon coming in at the back uh does Bayern finish first in the group what are just you talking about one, just to make one point this um you already highlighted it Bayern is in group B and group B means that they don't have any chance to win the title because <laughs> 2013 and 2001, the last two times when they won the Champions League, they were Group F. So, <laughs> <laughs> Group oh my B gosh, you're totally the, right. Oh, we're far. screwed already. <laughs> well, F this conversation. <laughs> Wait, what? Chris, do you know what group they were in in 10 or 12? Um, e. In I 10? guess 2010, they, they were in E, yeah. I went to that final. <laughs> I got kicked out of a strip club in Madrid. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> oh, <great> <laughs> okay, oh, so... <laughs> but coming back to like uh, the Champions League uh, group stage, I think... Or I I can't see uh, Bayern uh, coming out first. I think there will be some really good matches, really tough matches, um, but I think it's definitely possible. Uh, and I think that will be the the point where and when we can 
judge uh, Angelotti and how he's performing this season, maybe pretty early uh, in the season when we have the group stage over. Chris? Well, I mean, the this group is a little bit difficult or if, if you want to rate the, the group, they are maybe two teams which are quite ahead from two others um, so Bayern and PSG normally should be in the pole position here um, it's interesting that Bayern is first traveling to PSG or to Paris um, at the second match day and the yeah back game is then the, the last group game at home in Munich um, so it could be the, uh, like similar like last year as Atletico was um, in Munich and it was already decided it could be or it could happen in that way if Bayern is losing in Paris and maybe lose or dropping some points um, maybe against Celtic or in Anderlecht um, also Paris um, maybe is not currently that good and um, performing that consistently um, that they win every game especially in Anderlecht and in Celtic or in Glasgow it's always difficult to win um, especially Glasgow is, is really really tough um, I just remember those kind of games uh, when, when Barcelona um, was there and Celtic faced them I guess two times and there was one game I remember I guess they won 2-1 and Celtic had I guess only 10% of ball possession in the whole game what? or 11% so mm. um, it, it could happen in that way so there that some some miracles are going on and that maybe Paris or even Bayern um, dropping some points and then it, it's really difficult um But anyways, we, we will see it. Um, I currently see some issues, of course, um, for Bayern in the defense and controlling how you you um, facing against Neymar and Pape. They are quite very fast players. And Kimmich in his new role um, didn't prove himself against such players and it's it's really really hard test for him so uh putting you guys on the line first or second in the group chris second yeah i will go for first <laughs> just to don't say second as chris <laughs> <laughs> I would say second as well. I think uh, mm. Celtic away I'm, now in I'm Glasgow. The outsider. Pardon? No, I am the outsider. Oh. <laughs> hey, listen, you. Uh, we would all love for you to be right. Trust me. <laughs> I would like bring up the hearts, yeah. <laughs> But I think uh, Glasgow is always a tough match away. And uh, got to see what PSG bring to the table. But it's quite cool it for the. Interesting. Yeah, it's. I guess it's interesting group, and for um, all away fans who are traveling to to all matches, um, it's cool for them to see some new grounds. Um, Glasgow and Paris, we or Bayern faced them in the past. I guess it's maybe 10, 15 years ago. Right, it's uh, been quite a while. 
Yeah, it was definitely a while. And even Anderlecht, I guess Anderlecht was part of the, the ones we, we had this UEFA Cup season 2007, Seven, eight. 2008. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Anderlecht was part of that. Um, but even that, it's it's already 10 years away. Um, so it's quite cool to see some, some different clubs and um, don't facing against Atletico or don't facing against um, Madrid or Barcelona or even... Arsenal. <laughs> right. I I mean, uh, when I was able to travel, I've been to London a bunch of times to see Bayern play. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's cool. I did a lot of Champions League away matches. And uh, yeah, uh, I would love to go to Belgium. I wish I could be there. I wish I could go to Scotland too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one I, day I again. I dropped my name into into the lottery for the for the match against Glasgow or against Celtic in Glasgow. Uh, let's let's see what's happened. Oh, you got to get there. Please do. Yeah, hopefully it will work. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to close it off here. I think we're done for today. Uh, Christopher Rom, where can we find you online? On Mizan Road. Well, this was really surprising, I guess. And my Twitter handle is at RamC with an C at the end. Um, mostly I'm Twittering in German, sometimes in English. Um, I need to improve myself. So maybe I'm switching. (laughs) (laughs) And Jan, our wonderful editor-in-chief, where can we find you? Um, Because I'm more like the passive one when it comes to Twitter right now, um, I refer to our websites like the German and the English one and both of the Twitter handles. And yeah, uh, leave us some five-star reviews on iTunes. (laughs) Then I'm happy. And I am... uh, at gosh i have a new twitter handle and i still can't get used to it i am mm-hmm. at the Susie schaff uh, t-h-e-s-u-s-i-e-s-c-h-a-a-f i hope to write for me a sun wrote more than i do but i'm trying to get the podcast up and going uh Thank you, Jan. And uh, yeah, you see me about, and I talk about cats and politics a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the international break is going on next week, so um, you may see a special podcast about not so familiar topics coming at you. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Please do leave a rating if you can, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you. Tschüss. Ciao. Bye bye. Wir haben den Kampf gewonnen, wir sind ohne Kommen, wir haben